Hi, I'm Tefra Jemian uh, without Hannah Bailey this week. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Joining me in studio today is Tom Zalatni, our producer and editor and my baby daddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's me. Hi, Tom. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, also, also in studio with us today is our small fat baby. <laughs> yes. Um, because we can't both be on an episode without him. Yeah. Toby, do you want to say something nice to the people? No, no. She said That's, something nice. That's buddy. not a nice thing. Yeah. So in the uh, in the kerfuffle of me just coming back from PodCon, which we're going to talk about, and Hannah getting back into the school year, we're having one little sort of mini-zode bonus episode thing that we're doing today before we get into the bi-weekly regular book reviews next week with um, The Uglies Trio by Scott Westerfeld, which I'm really excited about because it's one of my favorite books. So get those, read them, they're unscribbed. But this week, uh, we just came back from PodCon. We're going to be talking about PodCon a little bit. I'm going to be interviewing Tom about books a little bit. Um, Now, Tom, one thing that we didn't do, because Hannah isn't here and she usually counts me in, Mm -hmm. is we didn't yell, yeah. Okay, do you want to do it together with Toby? Yeah. Toby doesn't doesn't like that idea. Toby hates that idea. But um, you know what? He's very small. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really get a, get a say in things. He doesn't make the rules. Yeah. So do you this want, is going to be a pain in the ass to edit if I have to cut the yeah from here and put it at the beginning of the episode. No, you don't have to. We can just put it here. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you want to count us in? All right. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah. yeah! Right. Toby, you were a little early on that one. Do you want to yeah. try again? <laughs> I think this guy is going to go to sleep, uh, but we'll he see. is not asleep yet. Anyway, Tom, yeah. um, you me. haven't been on Yeah before. That's true. This is one of the few shows on the <laughs> network you have not guested on. <laughs> That's true. Uh, thank you for your good work editing our sometimes insufferably difficult to edit podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the, uh, what the listeners might not know is that when I get these episodes, there's pauses that last about... that long sometimes okay that's a long that was a, that was a long bit that was a lot of commitment to the bit <laughs> well i figure i gotta give them a little of the behind the scenes right yeah yeah absolutely <clears throat> absolutely yeah. yeah and then the... i cut all those out and make it tight Mm-hmm. you sure do um so anyway yeah <clears throat> this is a show about young adult literature toby really just hates anytime we talk about content yeah. <clears throat> so this is a show about young adult lit uh what's your history experience relationship with young adult lit yeah, so uh, I'm a person who, in my adult life, uh, I don't read a ton of books. Um, I don't say that proudly, but I do own it. Uh, and it's really not that I don't like reading. It's just that it's like my third favorite form of media to consume. Mm-hmm. So I, I tend to just sort of focus on other things first and, yeah, sometimes go a while without reading anything. Um, but my back in like high school and in my early teens, I guess a little bit of my early 20s, too, I read like a fair amount of young adult stuff. Um I think the last things that I read pretty like ferociously, what's like a good word for like 
Ferociously like, works. Yeah, like reading yeah. a book in yeah. like a Voraciously day. Voraciously you know? might be what you were thinking. That's what I was thinking. Voracious. Yeah. 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 Um, the last thing that I like devoured like that was um, the four John Green books. Mm-hmm. You know, before the one that just came out. Because I haven't read that yet. But I, I, but I also read a lot of like. You know, I read most of the Harry Potter books when I was younger. I stopped halfway through book five because I got like halfway through it and felt like nothing had really happened yet, Um, which is something we've argued about a fair bit. Oh, it's my favorite Harry Potter book. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that I just like wanted them to go to Hogwarts faster. Right. Um, But I was also like 12. uh, And... I don't know if Redwall counts as young adult. Redwall is middle middle grade reader, and I was actually gonna like bring that up because I know you read Redwall. Red Redwall. I read Redwall. You read Redwall. The Redwall books by Boy and Jack. <laughs> a lot. Are my favorites. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I liked those ones yeah. a lot um, as a kid, and also like through high school, I was still mm-hmm. reading those. You know, I would like reread them every once in a while. So right. Was, you know pretty invested in that universe my my favorite memory of red wall because i read them quite a lot when i was younger you wed was them. In, i wed them i wed them a lot um when i was in grade five i went to school for the first time i'd been homeschooled through grade four and we went we had one day at the school library and i was looking at the red wall books and my teacher came over and said you know i think that might be more of an eighth grade level i can show you where the fifth grade level reading books are mm-hmm. and i sort of was like okay but I've read all the ones my library has, and I think they have one I haven't read yet here. <laughs> and she was like, oh, okay. In that case, yeah, great. Go right. ahead. Yeah. I So so the Redwall books for me started out as like something my mom read me when I was like oh, that's fun. really young. Like I think we did like the sort of um, Narnia books first. Yeah. And then went into Redwall when those were done because there were like 500 pages total of those or whatever. Yeah. Um, and... So Redwall started out as something that, like, she read to me, and then eventually I started just reading them myself and got really into them. Um, So, yeah, probably by the time I was, like, 10 or 11, I was, like, reading them myself and Mm -hmm. sort of going through them. Um, But, yeah, I I think when I think of, like, books that sort of have a place in my heart, it's, like, really that series is the one that, like, stands out. Yeah. Um, I did also really like Artemis Fowl. Yeah. Uh, I read, like... I thought I had read all of those, and then when they announced there was a movie coming out, I like looked it up and found out there were like two others that came out after I stopped reading them. But yeah, I haven't really done a lot of like digging into like YA stuff. Right. Like I know a lot about it now because I produced this show, but <laughs> you know, I haven't read much in the past couple of years. Yeah. What is it about Redwall that like feels big <laughs> for you? <laughs> we could also skip this question. No, okay. no, I, yeah. I, it's a good question. Um, I think it's the like. I think there's a world building to it that's really nice. Absolutely. Um, I think there's something about, like, characters with dialects written into the way they speak that I found really fun when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Due in no small part to the fact that my mom would, like, read them that way, right? Right. And I think it helped that they made a cartoon out of it, honestly. Like, there was, like, a maybe one or two seasons um, based on, like... I can't remember if they did two or not, but I feel like they did two books okay. adapted into cartoons that were, like, very good. I didn't know that. That's really, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, And so, like, I think that helped me kind of, like, feel invested in the universe because I've always been more of a, like, visual and, like, audio person. Right. Um, Yeah. So, like, just the the strong world building and the strong character, like, you know, you would, each book you would get, like, three or four storylines happening, kind of Mm -hmm. weaving through it and, like, all these characters with strong personalities and interesting, like, backgrounds and... Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I don't know. I thought that I always just found that really like fun to kind of invest in. Ironically, I really don't like Game of Thrones, which is just Redwall, but with more sex and less woodland creatures. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> so. true. Um, I've never watched Game of Thrones, but uh, okay. So one more question uh, with YA, and then we can get into the PodCon part of this episode. What's your favorite Redwall book? Redwall. Oh man, that is such a hard one. Um, so this is a kind of a like a weird choice, uh, but I. Th- think my favorite might be Lord Brocktree. Yeah, with the badger. With the badger. And the only reason I think that it stands out as different for me from the rest is because it's the only one that I have a hard copy of. Mm. Like all the others I have the paperback that Mm -hmm. sort of look like, um, like the spines of the book look like towers with windows, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And that one I just randomly have in hardcover. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've read it a bunch more times because there was something like nice about the hardcover. Yeah. Um, So that one holds a special place in my heart. Yeah. Uh, right now, could not tell you the plot of it to yeah. save my life. <laughs> if we were going off like plot of the book alone, like which one I think is most significant to me, probably um, Martin the Warrior. Mm-hmm. Now, my favorite is Mariel of Redwall. Okay. Because it was one of the few with a like really strong, strong female, female lead. lead yeah. And yeah. I also just love her resourcefulness. Mm-hmm. I love that she like her whole thing is that she basically washes up on a beach <laughs> and then just has to like figure her shit out from there. And that's right. really I like that. Um, but that's kind of a companion to Martin the Warrior, isn't it? It's like oh. chronologically close, I think. Maybe. I, it's It's yeah. been a while. Yeah. Those are books I'm really excited to like dig into with Toby eventually. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Like, yeah. I was just thinking we could probably get into them with the older the older kids soon. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I think I was probably like six or seven when I started looking at them. But I also, I don't know when the first one was written. Yeah. Uh, probably before I was six or seven, actually. Yeah. I feel like he wrote too many of those for him to have. Oh, he's probably been writing them since like 1943. Right, yeah. Yeah, now that, I, it's fun to talk about them because I probably haven't read a Redwall book since middle school. Mm-hmm. But it really is, they're well written. Like remembering all the sort of interweaving stories and things like that. They, yeah. And they have a lot of the hallmarks of YA lit. Um, right. They're just, you know, about talking mice. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing that, I, that I'm that i thinking about that, like, I think was also nice for me was that, like, the books kind of saw each other as lore almost, where, like, because they've got this big tapestry that they weave. And this is one thing that the cartoon did really well was they would have the tapestry kind of unfurling and having things added to it from episode to episode so that Neat. you'd get, like sort of visual chunks because that's what their tapestry was right right it was yeah. this ongoing history that they had like woven on the wall yeah um and so you'd hear about these characters while you know you'd, you'd hear stories from their mm-hmm. lore while characters were casually chatting about something in one book and then if you wanted to you could go read that other book that like is the full story of what they're looked at on the tapestry yeah i loved that also having the the history to call back to yeah um especially being i think a kid who was raised reading the bible a lot right it felt kind of like the bible but much more interesting (laughs) right (laughs) well yeah and like half the books have kind of a messiah narrative right Right. oh absolutely (laughs) i mean i think we could talk about the christian overtones of redwall forever Yeah. yeah and like i don't know that that was an intentional thing or if it's just that like frankly that's kind of an easy story to write and adapt to things right Mm-hmm. It's like the whole like hero's journey thing too. I think it's hard to find a mythology that doesn't have that. Yeah. I mean, even worldwide, people love heroes. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah. people love stories of like self-sacrifice for the greater good, right? Mm-hmm. So like given that that's kind of the main interesting story in the Bible is 
you know, one of self-sacrifice, yeah. it's easy for you to draw any comparison to it from yeah. any piece of literature, which is why I got great marks all through high school, because I knew just enough of the Bible to write a kick-ass essay oh. about anything I read. I mean, the way that I graduated with high <laughs> honors from McGill in literature is that I just always pulled everything back to biblical analysis because yeah. I knew the Bible better than my professors did and could like draw in obscure verses they didn't know about. And That's they'd be it. like, whoa. And I'd be like, growing up fundamentalist sure uh, sure does wonders for your knowledge of Judeo-Christian history. Yeah. Um, the, the one well, Not time. so much with the Judeo part. You well. kind of learn a crap version of that right yeah the uh <laughs> the one time that i tried to write an essay without doing this you know without kind of tying it back to the mm -hmm. bible um we were given an excerpt from uh is it emma maybe uh is that the one about the governess or is um, that emma jane eyre? has a governess, Does she have a governess? jane eyre is jane a governess eyre. okay so we different did... authors okay i couldn't remember which of the two emma was. well emma is the one where she's uh, the rich girl who really has to learn not to meddle in things okay jane eyre is the governess who has the guy who has a crazy wife in the attic i think it was jane eyre okay um Anyway, so we're giving an excerpt, and it's like this whole thing talking about this governess and how much she hates her job. Jane Eyre. Yeah. And uh, I, rather than reading through the text and trying to find a way to tie it back to the Bible so that I could get the easy marks, I wrote this long-winded essay about how, like, it was so stupid that back in history someone could be, like, highly educated politician and end up having to serve as someone's nanny. Because uh, I didn't know that a governess was a nanny <laughs> in the 10th grade. And uh, my English teacher, bless her, hands me back my paper a week later at 10%. The only comment written on it in big red pen is, a governess is a nanny. <laughs> after it. Uh, oh, baby Tom. Thankfully, this was worth 1% of my total grade for yeah. the year, so it didn't matter, but like... Yeah, one time yeah. I tried to write a paper without reading the play it was based on, and that uh, uh, the comment I got on it was, it really seems like you didn't read this. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now let's talk about um, PodCon. Sure. Oh, I do oh, want to say, yeah. um, while I do not make a ton of time for reading right now, in your last episode, you mentioned like a George Washington young yes. adult fiction. I will absolutely read that yes. with you if you're looking for a guest yes. for that episode. Yes. Because I think that part of what made me like Redwall so much is that I'm kind of a history nerd. Yeah. And it has its own history built into it. Yeah. And a facet of history that I, I yeah. love is the American Revolution. So I love historical fiction. I love good historical fiction. And yeah. we can definitely talk about that and get into that. Cause uh Cool. Who boy. I just started watching the new season of Outlander and I'm like very into it. And now I think you might be interested in it because now they're getting up on the American Revolution. Right. And trying to figure out how both to benefit from the English government trying to offer them things without getting fucked when the american revolution comes around right so like how can we benefit without getting murdered mm. in 10 years <laughs> that's kind of the one yeah. question i ask myself all the time. <laughs> um so speaking of john green let's talk about podcon yeah it's a segue <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry the word is sieg sieg yeah oh man podcon <clears throat> so I didn't, I, I was very minimally attending PodCon because mm -hmm. I had a baby and a five-year-old with me and, yeah. and was mostly running around with them. Um, tell me a little bit, what were your, what was your high point? Yeah. So uh, for context, our network bought a, an artist table in the exhibition hall so that I could, um, you know, promote things. Yeah. Uh, the original idea was that Tefer and I would go out and kind of like take shifts, but the reality of traveling with kids is that 
it's hard to, you know, stay in the same place for a long time. So what ended up happening instead was that I stood at the table for eight hours a day and you hung out with the kids and, you know. We tried, but the five-year-old was in go, I'm so bored. I want to get out of here right now. We've been here for five minutes. So, So, yeah. We explored Seattle, which was fun. We saw my grandmother, which was nice. We went to the aquarium. But how was PodCon? Um, Well... I didn't get to go to any of the panels, so I'm looking forward to getting the, like, um, what do you call that? Remote, Remote attendance yeah. um, when, when they send off all the files in a couple of weeks. Um, but I did get to meet a lot of really cool people, um, not the least of which, um, actually, I met some folks who have a podcast that is a, like, D&D Redwall podcast. I'm so excited about uh, that. I think and it's I'm called s- yeah. If You Give a Mouse a Dagger. Um you didn't tell me that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think they've just released their first episode. I told them I would check it out. I have not yet. So don't consider this a recommendation <laughs> because I cannot recommend it. But feel free to check it out if that sounds potentially interesting to you. They were very nice guys at the very least. I'm in love. <laughs> yeah. If you give a mouse a dagger. <laughs> yeah. So so looking forward to checking that out. Um, basically, uh, I got to stand at the table for many many hours uh chatting with whoever came up to me mm-hmm. uh which was a fun way to find out that sort of the people most interested in what we're doing are like you know women in their 30s and like the lgbt community yeah. which makes a lot of sense to me because you know yeah that's just kind of who i feel like our audience is yeah well the focus of our network is really like radical diversity and yeah um making podcasting accessible so yeah exactly yeah. and uh yeah, so so that was neat. Um, it was fun because uh, I had just printed off 200 pamphlets uh, that were loving, lovingly designed by you. Yeah. Uh, I And didn't have anything else at the table. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> I opened my laptop and threw, threw together a little thing that just had our logo. And it said, it might look like all we have is pamphlets and business cards, but we also have a raffle and less than 50% of the people on our network are cishet white dudes, even though the only person at the table right now is a white dude. Yeah. Uh, so that got a lot of attention. Yeah. But the best part was that anytime like an old white man would walk by the table, he would stop stare at the laptop for like 30 40 seconds very slowly reading it and then just walk away in total silence (laughs) Uh, i do have to say that actually a couple of our most vocal fans are uh middle-aged or older white men who are you know teachers or something like that right you are not included in that we love you (laughs) no and and like to be fair there were like a handful of older white dudes as well who would like Mm -hmm. actually stand and talk but consistently the people who would stop read and walk away without saying anything were like old white guys it was was fun Uh, but yeah so getting to chat with like a lot of people who you know are really interested in podcasting was a really nice way to sort of figure out what the sort of like what the community is looking for right now Mm -hmm. Um, you guys got a lot of attention actually Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of people took your business cards that were you know one of the only business cards there Um, (laughs) but also like a lot of people asked about your show like they were like oh like I'm into young adult lit tell me about this uh so that was cool and if any of you guys are listening right now hello yeah those of you who I got to talk with uh, that was really really nice that Mm. was exciting I'm hoping that next year we'll be able to have a little more yeah merch and things like that we just weren't super organized this year what with the having a baby in November yeah yeah I think no part of our table was super organized this year that's okay um (laughs) But yeah, we the, got, you, you know, know what? The brochures were very nicely organized they were on nice the table. <laughs> I realized afterward they did not have the website 
typed out on them. They just had an email address. Oh, dear. Yeah. But, you know, people can look us up. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Um, so there was that. There was... Um, it was nice getting to kind of chat with people about what our network is like, what our network is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so telling people like first telling people that we are Montreal's fastest growing podcast network uh, and then pausing for them to say, wow, that's cool. Uh, just long enough for me to then go because we're the only one. Right. Um, then getting to tell them that we do everything kind of with the intention of making podcasting more like vulnerable and like intentionally open about things mm-hmm. uh, and also more accessible and diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, people listening might not know that the studio we're recording in right now, <laughs> while it is in our house, um, we kind of operate as like a professional studio yeah. uh, that people can use kind of on a sliding scale rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, people who can afford to pay to rent the space do uh, people who don't don't. Um, and yeah. that kind of has allowed us to be more diverse than we would be if, like, we required that everyone spend money on their own equipment or yeah. whatever. And if I may take this opportunity just to say that, yeah, right now we do not pay for the space and we do not pay Tom for his editing. <laughs> but um, as our Patreon support grows, we are those are our next two goals. Mm-hmm. So if you want to help us... <laughs> um, <laughs> pay for the space we're renting and pay Tom for the enormous amount of editing he does, uh, head to patreon.com slash yeah podcast and even pledging at a dollar a month, uh, $12 a year for you does quite a lot for us. So mm-hmm. Check that out. Yeah, that's it. After two years, they'll be able to pay me enough to buy a single pair of underwear. So, <laughs> Well, you know what? After our first year, we're already paying our SoundCloud hosting fees. That's true. Which is pretty pretty exciting. And yeah. thanks to those of you who have made that happen. Yeah, those all came in in like a week, like within a week It was the other, end of right? the year. It was like was a cool. New Year's thing. It was really, really nice. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and we ran the uh, laptop sticker giveaway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> which helps. Uh, yeah. So, so that's it. So it was cool getting to sort of like share our vision with people and seeing them respond in ways that were like, overwhelmingly positive mm-hmm. um a handful of people who did have who just had no reaction to things at all and and like you know conventions bring out all types right yeah conventions bring out people who are engaged and like you know really sociable but they also bring out people who don't know how to socialize because all they do is consume content and come up to the table and kind of go so what are you yeah okay and then just sort of stare blankly at you, hoping right. you'll say more. And it's like, uh, I don't know what else to say. Engage with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing about the podcasting world and something that's really lovely about PodCon this year and last year is that it really is a safe space. Yeah. It really is a safe space for everyone. Um, it's, you know, accessible and and uh, completely um, embracing of the queer community. They did a mm-hmm. really big effort to be more diverse in the panelists yeah. this year. And it's really nice to be in that space I mean even just noticing that like my five-year-old was super comfortable there like (laughs) it just it just was a comfortable safe space and that's Mm. I think the really remarkable thing about PodCon um, and why you should all come out next year yeah (laughs) Um, yeah well it's nice because like when I think about it when I think about it in terms of like the people running it right mm -hmm. you've got like John and Hank Green who like are aggressively community-minded people Mm -hmm. um, but are part of are like historically part of YouTube first, right? Which is like just a trash fire. Like you can try your best to make YouTube a place that's comfortable for communities, but there's always going to be just a sea of garbage. Yeah. Right. So like VidCon is 
a mess. Um, Tom is also somebody who started out in YouTube and is yeah. speaking from experience. <laughs> Absolutely. And and like YouTubers will be honest about that, right? Yeah. Like it's a it's not like a safe place for people. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of great LGBT creators on YouTube and mm-hmm. there's a great community around that. But if you look at their comment sections, there's yeah. still so much garbage happening yeah. in there. Um, whereas podcasting is a little bit nicer than that. It's just yeah. friendlier. So you've got John and Hank who are incredible at creating community, even within the shitstorm of YouTube, yeah. who are now doing podcast things. You've got the McElroy brothers who are like these like beacons of comedy light yes. who just like make such an effort to make their comedy joyful and uplifting. Yeah. You've got the Night Vale crew who like <sighs> yeah. are like stewards of like audio drama and like creativity and inclusiveness who manage to make like spoken audio projects that are scripted diverse yeah. which is hard to do because like you're just writing words yeah. right they you've got all these people who are so good at these things who come together to make this event mm-hmm. and like yeah it's just incredible that they <laughs> that they're able to do it like it's yeah. just it, it makes sense to me but it's also still impressive yeah I think it really speaks to the intention of the creators mm-hmm. um what a what a comfortable and joyful uh, space it is. Yeah. Um, now speaking of John Green, who obviously yeah. we need to focus on because he's a YA author. Right. Um, you had a, a fun little moment. Yeah. With John Green, I I am still kind of kicking myself because we ran into him twice in our hotel, and I never went over and was like super fan. Here's my card. Right. But you had a fun interaction with him. Please well, tell I, us about that. I didn't interact. Oh, buddy. Uh, so we'll meet John Green one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I didn't directly interact with John. Right. Um, I have a policy where I try not to introduce myself to people unless there's like a chance they actually know who I am. Right. Uh, so, so for context, I was at this um, exclusive pizza party thing that like you can pay extra to go to uh, where it's basically like the handful of people who pay extra and also all the featured creators. Mm-hmm. So it's a good chance to kind of schmooze and mingle with like people who matter. <laughs> so I am standing in the drink line I'm like four or five people behind the front of the line John Green comes in in a baseball cap and a big coat trying to look kind of inconspicuous walks up to the front of the line and says something to the effect of like hi I'm John Green I'm thirsty and the bartender just laughs and hands him two beers <laughs> without any questions asked and like to be fair I'm you know he's running the event yeah, right yeah, yeah. they probably have a list of people who they just give free booze to if they say their names yeah. but it just felt like such a like yeah this is a move that you can make as the guy who's <laughs> yeah. running this thing I, I love it too because like I feel like John Green is a very unobtrusive person yeah. most of the time. He's very Midwestern. <laughs> and and he's very tall, but he's just kind of always cloaked in darkness a little bit. Yeah. Um and I just I just love I love that story. <laughs> yeah, well and, and and like the look on his face was not one of like, oh, I'm here to like flex yeah. on all of you guys. It was it was genuinely just kind of like, hey, yeah. Uh you know, he yeah. he was he was humble about it. It was well, a, you know, and I imagine waiting in line for something when you're the creator of the event would be a pain in the butt because yeah. everybody in line would be like, oh, my God, yeah. I just love the Fault in Our Stars. Tell me more about Alaska. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and like also like just the and, and this is a thing that, you know, we kind of have as a focus at our network, the idea that podcasting, because it's such an intimate medium, like mm-hmm. I am speaking directly into your ears right now, like because of that people should be intimate and vulnerable, right? Right. Um, And so, like, you know, a lot of 
the people who produce podcasts are open about the fact that they have some kind of social anxiety, right? Right. And like John Green is no exception to that, right? right? He doesn't really love these kinds of events. So I'm sure that for him, the idea of like having to wait in line with a bunch of strangers for a long time to get a drink so that he could feel comfortable. Yeah. It's like a really like stressful thing, right? Yeah. So I, I was just kind of like, yeah, you got to do what you got to yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy that. Yeah. Also got to see his, his little kid who was very cute. Very cute. That was fun. Yeah. So uh, speaking of John Green, once again, what's your favorite John Green book? You mentioned earlier that's a YA yeah. author that you love. And I know you do because we have the box set we on do. our shelf. A signed box set. Ooh, yeah. Johnny. Yeah. Um, it's a hard one for me. I think I would have to like reread them and reassess because mm-hmm. I read them in my early 20s. Um, you're you're kind of still in your early I'm 20s. I'm 25. <laughs> I read them at like 21. Okay. So like I've changed a lot as a person yes. since I, since yeah. I read them. Um but I remember the one that I had the most fun with was An Abundance of Catherines. Okay, yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know if I think that's his best one. I don't right. know if that's even my favorite one. Right. But it's the one that I remember having the best time with. Yeah, So. yeah. yeah. For me, it's Looking for Alaska, mm-hmm. which was interesting because I reread it recently and right. had had a very different like concept of what it was mm-hmm. uh, the first time I read it. So that was kind of fun. Still haven't read Turtles all the way down. No, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. really we need should, to get on that. We should get a copy of that so that you can read it in a day and then I can read it within six months. <laughs> yeah, well, Hannah and I really need to, to do some John Green on this show because we haven't done any yet. Yeah. So uh, anything else to add at this point about about PodCan? About PodCan? PodCan. About pad, PodCan, <laughs> about podcasting, about... Yeah. Um, you know, this is your chance. Right. You're so short on chances to say what you want to say on a podcast. I know, right? Right. Uh, actually, I will give it a little shout out to Historical Hotties, which is a podcast that I was like sort of a guest on mm-hmm. during PodCon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hosts, uh, Whitney and Lindsay, I just found out their names from their Twitter bio. Hi. Um, who have exactly 420 followers. So it's fun. <gasps> Blaze it. Uh, they, they have a podcast where they like separate from each other or like they together pick a category for an episode Mm -hmm. and then separate from each other each pull a figure from history in Mm -hmm. that category uh research it and then come and present them to each other Mm -hmm. and argue about who's hotter oh Uh, my god did they decide you're a historical hottie they sure did and i'm the hottest (laughs) member of the upper network officially (laughs) oh my god uh no, everyone knows that's Mike from Lasers on the Red. <laughs> so I, uh, so they came up to me at one point and you know were telling me about their show and I was like, oh, that's really cool. I'd love to like hop on that sometime. And they just took out their microphones and were like, do you want to do it now? And I was like, <laughs> ah, okay. Um, so that was really fun. Uh, so go check them out. They're on Twitter at Historically Hot. And in their most recent episode, I'm in it for like five minutes talking cool. about uh, who I think is the hottest um, like broadcast radio personality. Julian McKenzie. Uh, Julian McKenzie. Uh, of The Scrum, our sister show. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I, I guess like final thoughts. Um, yeah, I had a I had a good conversation with um, Rishikesh Hirway from uh, Song Exploder and the West Wing Weekly uh, about like sort of the intention that we have with our space. Um, and he mentioned that like that's something that uh, his network Radiotopia has uh, in Boston. They have like a podcasting garage mm-hmm. um, that's like set up in a similar way where like, you know, it's a community space to like record stuff and people can like book time and everything. So I'm, I'm curious to check that out. Um, but the sort of takeaway that I had from that conversation is like, <laughs> Toby's being very cute. Um, like it is super important to not just like 
be open to having diverse voices happening in the world of podcasting, but to also be like intentional about inviting them in. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and he, yeah, because I asked him, I was like, so how are you enjoying this? Because like you weren't here last year because <laughs> I knew he wasn't there last year because I would have, you know, yeah. said hi last year yeah. if he'd been there. He was like, yeah, it was nice to get invited. Like I heard, oh, <laughs> buddy. Um, yeah, he was like, I heard that it was like very white last year. And then when I got invited, I was like, yes, I will show up as one of the diversity hires. (laughs) Cool. Uh, But yeah, so, so just this idea that like, you know, it's, it's important to not just be like open to the idea that podcasting should be diverse, but to also be like seeking that out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And inviting people into the space. Um, So yeah, that's just sort of, you know. For instance, we have invited a small baby into the space. (laughs) Yeah. And like granted, you know. He's, like, white and born with a penis. So in, like, 15 years, he'll have his own podcast anyway. Not but enough like, babies on podcasts. <laughs> yes. But that's it. Babies, yeah. you know. We need to yeah. open up the space yeah. to them. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I do remember that way back when you were first looking for new hosts for Up for Discussion, um, which is our flagship show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were very specifically being like, I don't want to hire any more white guys. Yeah. Like, I feel like we have enough white guys on our show and and i mean that's that's yeah Yeah. that's and i mean then you got adrian and kate who are just wonderful 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 hosts um and then i got other kate who's also wonderful there's just a lot like there's a lot you can do to make a space diverse like i was thinking about that when you were talking about night vale and saying like it's hard to write diversely but the thing is you don't write diversely you cast diversely well that's it right and and you know you cast intentionally and diversely yeah um and that's how we because the thing that I find really important with diversity in our network is honestly the um, accountability sure. it provides for everybody. Like, I mean, also because it's really important to amplify all of the voices, especially right. ones who don't have um, accessibility to, to things. But also just like if you're just a network of <laughs> white people. Mm-hmm. you're you're gonna fuck up you're gonna make blunders you're gonna say racist stuff and you're not gonna have anybody to call you on it and yeah. like unless your audience is really good at calling you on it right but, but then you have to listen yeah. too right like right well, it's then, yeah yeah <laughs> it's easier to listen to your coworker or yeah. your yeah um than a comment on the internet it's a lot easier to brush off a comment on the internet as like right. a one-off right um yeah. and i just think it's it's so important to make sure that the voices you hear are diverse yeah. and multiple, which is, I mean, one of the things we try to do on this show is really highlight a lot of different authors right. um, from a lot of different backgrounds to make sure that um, we're not just reading one kind of experience. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's it, right? Like, there's there's things you can do that are, like, honestly not that much work mm-hmm. in order absolutely. to, like, make a huge difference to the way that, yeah. like, this field grows right yeah mm-hmm. i um i had someone comment in response to uh, so i posted an instagram photo during podcon uh of our table with the women's back bathroom in the background right because we were like right in that corner uh and they could see the like screen of my laptop that said yeah. the whole thing about like less than 50 percent of our team blah 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 and someone commented and was like what's so wrong with like straight white dudes right and like i know this guy kid I used to babysit like he was he was I think trying to stir the pot a little bit but I responded really honestly with like there's nothing necessarily wrong with straight white dudes it's just that our field has been like so dominated by them for so long that like now it's important to be intentionally seeking out like ways to lift up other people right yeah absolutely and like 
it's not about having less straight white dudes. Right. It's about having more of everyone else to balance it out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and so that's just been like a really neat, like, it's been neat seeing how everyone who came to the table uh, to like hear about us responded really well to that. Right. Like everyone. Yeah. Like not just people to whom it applied, but yeah. also like all the straight white dudes who came yeah. to the table were like, yeah, that's really important. Like, yeah. it's cool that you guys are doing that. And it's like, you know, I, I had one guy the first morning say like, cool, so you're trying to make podcasting look less like us, like pointing back yeah, and yeah, forth yeah. between the two of us. And I was like, yeah. And then I started saying that to other people. I was yeah, like, yeah. I'm trying to make it look less like me. And it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's Absolutely. cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for, for joining me today and filling in, giving us an episode this week. Yeah, um, of course. Hope to have you sometime to talk about a book, too. That would be fun. Yeah, well. Talk about some Redwall or some John that, Green or something. You could read that Washington book. Yes! I, would, I, I will absolutely do that with yes. you. Yes. I think it's pretty short, too. Cool. Um, and it's a romance. I know you like those. So yeah, it'll absolutely. be fun. Yeah. Cool. Um, it'll be fun. Cool. Okay, do you have Hi. anything to say, Toby? Toby has awoken. Toby thankfully slept through that. Yeah. You have anything to say, Buggle? Yeah, you guys should listen up for discussion. It's a real good show. My dad hosts it with a couple of other really great people. Everyone's really friendly and nice. It's a comedy show. They get all their questions from the audience and they respond to them. Sometimes you can hear me in the background. Toby, I didn't know you had kind of a Jersey accent. Uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> Where'd that come from? I don't know, man. Where'd that come from? I don't know. Thanks for listening to Yeah! If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at yapodcast yeah and individually at tefferbear and at tonsalatni, and you should also follow at thebalesosaurus, because just because Hannah's not here this week doesn't mean you shouldn't follow her on Twitter. <laughs> if you like the show and want to help us make it even better and want to help us pay Tom for the work he does please, to make it better, God, please. oh boy, does he make it better. Daddy needs a new parent. <laughs> shoe <laughs> consider supporting us on patreon you can get all kinds of great perks including early access to bonus content shout outs guest appearances and more head to patreon.com slash yeah podcast to donate shout out to our patrons kat mcguire chantal thomas katherine wench and lizzie tenhove thank you for keeping us afloat if you want your name shouted out give us some sweet cash do it. Yeah, you guys should really do it. <laughs> See, even Thanks, Toby agrees. You can support the show for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, and by sharing this episode with a friend who needs to hear about the future of podcasting. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced and edited by our small fat son as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. I'm Julian McKenzie, co-host of the Scrum Podcast, a sports show I'm doing with my podcasting partner in crime, Tristan Damore, on the UpFord Network. Every week, we analyze something different from the Canadian sports media landscape. Lack of diversity, getting a job in the field, coverage of different sports, and answering some of the harder questions. Through a combination of back-and-forth discussion and high-profile guest interviews, we're aiming to figure out exactly what's up in the world of sports. Find us wherever podcasts are sold. iTunes. Stitcher. Google Play, SoundCloud, Message in a Bottle, Morse Code, Telegram, Singing Telegram, Target, Walgreens, Bird's Nest, Dad's Shed, uh, and a crowded convention center bathroom. I'm so happy, uh, oh, hi. Um, can you wait on it? Oh, shit.
Hi, yeah. Um, I'm just gonna wash my hands here. Uh, I know what you're wondering. What are you doing in my bathroom? Well, this is very easy to explain. Hold hold on. Let me let me just blow dry my hair here. Uh, I'm here to tell you about Lasers on the Ride podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcast. It's a mix of comedy, uh, interviews, and the existential drama that only real life can bring. Now I'm going to go take a shower. Goodbye.